sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Wednesday. Steve Sipple, Jake Sorensen, early break, fun show. So far, you got the podcast at theticketfm.com. Sponsored, as always, by Gaina Trucking. You can always call or text us at 464-5685 and watch us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. We have a very special guest Sip, to start the 7 o'clock hour, and he is a former Nebraska player and Nebraska offensive lineman, uh, line coach and coordinator. And that sip, of course, is Barney Cotton. Barney, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got a lot of questions for you. But off the bat, we know you had a heart transplant a couple years ago. We'd like to ask you, how, how are you feeling right now? How are things going with you, Barney? Well, good morning, guys. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, had a really good checkup here about five or six weeks ago. Uh, my heart's doing good. Uh, and I'm feeling good. I work out every day and uh, just trying to stay busy, and it's good talking to you guys this morning. Well, it's great to hear your voice, Barney. We talked yesterday, and the kind of the impetus to my call to Barney, Jake, was, you know, Richie Incognito just retired from the NFL yes. after 15 seasons. Barney Cotton coached Richie in 2003, and that was an interesting season, obviously, for a lot of reasons. And where I would start the conversation is – the Michigan State game, the bowl game in San Antonio to cap the 2003 season, which I would say this, Richie made quite an impression on a lot of people in that game, a lot of important people, including his coach, Barney Cotton. Tell us about that performance from Richie and where it ranks as you know, in terms of all-time performance, performances that you've seen as a coach, Barney. Well, I tell you what, up, up until that point, I mean, it's probably the most relentless physical performance I've ever seen as a lineman for me or anybody else. And I don't know if to this day I've seen a, a performance quite like that either. He was relentless. Uh, he was so motivated going into the game. And he sure put that effort on the field and helped lead us to a big win. Uh, as we kind of sent Frank out, even though he wasn't there with us, with a 10 and three season. And Barney, you talked about something yesterday in our interview that a lot of people don't know about Jay Barney. Jake didn't know about this. And that was the sort of (laughs) near brawl that happened at a, at a team event when the two teams were together in the week leading up to that game, they were at a ballroom, a hall. Um, There's, you know, 253, 250, 300 people there, families, your wives. Um, what was that like, and how? what kind of impact did that have on Richie? Well, I tell you what, you know, in the bowl games, usually one of the nights, you know, leading up to the game, both teams to get together for a meal, and then they may get, you know, get some players up on stage and do some entertainment things. Uh, so anyway, when we arrived, uh, we were seated first and, you know, we were waiting for our opponent to arrive. And, you know, a few minutes later, Michigan State, you know, came into the ball game, our, our ballroom with a real chip on their shoulder. And they kind of, you know, came at us with their bravado. Even some of their players uh, lifted chairs like they were going to go after, you know, Jamal Lord, our quarterback. And, uh, 
you know, it was a big deal keeping the, the two teams separated. And I know my first response was I was sitting with, you know, my wife and stuff, and I ran over and, and grabbed a chair and sat right next to Richie. Because Rich, <laughs> Richie was the kind of guy that I just wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, this didn't become a, a big incident. Right. Because uh, Richie was a real team guy. I mean, Richie was going to do whatever he had to do to pre- protect his teammates, and he was ready to lead the charge. But we sat there and we talked, and Richie remained calm. But the one thing I remember probably more than anything, as he's staring down these guys, mm-hmm. and he just looked at me and said, it's on. <laughs> and, oh, boy, and, oh, boy. And when we walked on that field, I mean, it was on from the opening gun to the, the finishing gun. And he, he had a heck of a performance and helped lead us to a big win that day. Controlled by Barney Cotton. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, so when it comes to Richie, again, I think sometimes he's misunderstood by people. He had a great NFL career, but I, look at his – when he was here at Nebraska, did you did you think that, Barney, he would be as good of a pro and a long-term pro that, that he ended up being? Well, I thought that he was definitely going to be a good pro. You know, being a long-term pro is kind of dependent sure. upon injuries and other, and other things too, but – uh, we were probably playing him out of position a little bit at left tackle, but we did that to make sure we had the best guys that we could on the field. I mean, he's a natural guard center type, but he has that uh, your relentless attitude, you know, not only in games, but in his preparation, you know, on the practice field. And he had a good football mind mentally where he would pick things up. And, uh, and he was a – he understood the game – but, I mean, more than anything, I mean, his, his effort level and his physicality were something, you know, very special. Hey, Barney, Barney Cotton joins us. Barney Cotton, the former Nebraska offensive lineman and defensive lineman. You played defensive line too, right, Barney? Yeah, my junior year, we needed uh, a little bit of help over there. I wasn't too excited about it, but then it worked out. You know, I started, you know, most of the games for Charlie at the very beginning of, of his career. So it was great playing for Charlie and then uh, – you know, the next year I moved back to offensive line, but kind of gives me a little, you know, a little bragging rights knowing that I was a black shirt and an offensive lineman. Uh, yeah, Sorry. yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty, pretty cool. cool. Now, as far as that 2003 season goes, again, you are the offensive line coach, you are the offensive coordinator, but Frank Solich assigned you another job, right? Barney, what was that? Well, interesting. I mean, the year before – you know, Richie came in and, you know, and freshman guys don't play a whole lot of football generally at that time, you know, on the offensive line. And, and Richie did. Now, Richie, uh, you know, had a few personal fouls that uh, first year that probably hurt the team in a number of ways. The personal fouls, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Personal means you did it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a real good team thing. So Frank talked to me, you know, before the season, one of the things I'd like you to do is we got to keep Richie playing with that great intensity, but we got to make sure that he plays whistle to whistle and none of that business, you know, after the whistle. And uh, so one of my jobs on the sideline was to coach the line and also be the offensive coordinator. And I kept my eye on Richie. And if things looked like we were maybe headed in the wrong direction, I, kind of stepped in, even stepped out on the field a few times. And uh, but Richie did a heck of a job from having a number of personal fouls. His, his freshman year, we went that whole year 
those 13 games, and Richie not once had a personal foul his sophomore year. How much did it help, Barney? You know, we have this conversation about coaches coaching in the box versus coaching in the field, coaching on the field. How, how much did it help you to be a play caller on the field? And, and we, could you have pulled that off with Richie if you were calling plays from the box? Oh, I don't know. I've, you know, I've called plays from both places and more in the box at the end of my career than at the beginning. But being on the field is where I would rather have been, especially being a line coach, because you got a special relationship with those guys and they kind of lead the charge for an offense. And it's really hard to communicate with five starters and your two or three backups that might be playing a significant amount of time if you're not on the field and being able to talk to them face-to-face and be able to draw things up. Uh, but that face-to-face communication is a, is a huge deal for a line coach. And you don't see too many of them up, uh, up in the box. They're generally on the field. And they're, you know, being an offensive line coach, offensive coordinator is kind of a special thing to be involved in the whole thing, but then being able to concentrate on the front guys as well. So my Barney Cotton, uh, Barney, I'm curious about Richie in general. I mean, there's obviously the rumors out there that's probably are not true that he was not a good teammate. Was from what you saw, was he a a good teammate? And and how was he in practice with uh, the other offensive linemen too? Well, I think Richie Richie was a good teammate because I think the best teammates are also you know great practice players and Richie was a great effort guy whether he stepped on the field for practice or whether he stepped on the field for the game now Richie had Richie had you know a little bit of a temper and an edge to himself and there were situations where maybe he didn't get along the best with defensive linemen but uh, <laughs> of course but, <laughs> naturally but he, but he got along well you know you know with his offensive you know, teammates, and if you have a guy, it's not so much whether you like a guy, but, you know, you respect how a guy plays. And Richie, through his effort, uh, you would like to have a whole bunch of guys like that on a team where, you know, they prepared like they played, you know, by practicing as hard as Richie practiced all the time. See, you're this, Barney, part of the reason this is an intriguing conversation is a lot of people are, will say, why do you guys glorify Richie Incognito? He had a lot of problems. But you know what? In 2003, you had zero problems with him, right? I mean, you didn't. You that 2003 was a year where Richie didn't have off-field, on-field issues. Isn't that accurate? Well, yeah, I, I had a good relationship. I mean, when we first got started, we, you know, we kind of, we're testing the waters with each other. And one time he didn't really like me, you know, getting after him and yelling a little bit. And he told me I was embarrassing myself being a Nebraska coach yelling on the field like that. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of smirked. I didn't let him know I was kind of smirking, right. and, you know, under my breath. But, uh, you know, we got, we got past that. And, uh, you know, I liked coaching Richie because I like coaching guys that play hard. I mean, cause, that's my whole deal. Play hard, play smart, play every play. You know, be the hardest working guy on the field and don't let anybody outwork you. You know, that's what I told my boys before every game. I never talked to them about going out and, you know, winning the game or something. I said, hey, be the hardest working guy on the on the field. And, and I think that's what Richie gave, gave to Nebraska football during his, you know, career here. 
Joined by Barney Cotton here in early break. Let's, take, let's fast forward to 2014, Barney, where you were on the staff again for Nebraska. And, of course, that's the year that Bo Pliny was let go after the Iowa game, a win for, Iowa, for Nebraska. Holiday Bowl, USC, you are filling in as the interim head coach in that time period. Can you talk us through what that was like to be in that role? I mean, that was also a great game, but what was that like from your vantage point? Well... Yeah, it was kind of bittersweet. I was honored to be the one that was asked to lead us through those 28, 29, 30 days. It was kind of a, you know, tumultuous time. And mm-hmm. and uh, and it was an interesting deal because we also had a, a large part of the, the next staff coming to watch us coach and watch our guys practice and stuff. But my big deal there was to make sure that, you know, we would go out and you know, I remember telling the guys, we want to honor God with our effort. We want to honor each other as teammates with our effort. And we want to, we want to honor Bo with our effort too, you know, mm-hmm. because it was, it was Bo's team as head coach and we were going to try to finish off that season, you know, the best that we could. You, Barney, you pay attention these days to the program. Can they, can they get back to a bowl game this year? Well, I pay attention um, you know, I, I wish good things for Nebraska. I mean, I don't know. I don't sit and evaluate them and stuff like that. I watch them play and, uh, you know, I hope things go. I mean, it's, it's a great program and a storied program. I, you know, I played there. I GA'd there. I coached there twice. I had three boys there, uh, that, you know, played for me. So obviously I've got, you know, strong feelings about that and i and i hope that they um can turn things around and get things going i don't i don't study enough to know if if that's going to be the case or not but i but i hope that they do get things going well barney we appreciate your time this morning we thanks for joining us today and and giving us some time and we we are happy to hear you're back to fully healthy and we hope that continues for you thanks for your time this morning hey good talking to you guys all right take care barney Barney Cotton, former Nebraska offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Never saw a finer performance by one of his offensive linemen than what Richie Incognito turned in in the Alamo Bowl. It was a 17-3 win mm-hmm. um, against Michigan State in 2003. Never saw a finer performance. And he said that NFL scouts, when he – now, you know, that staff, that Nebraska staff was let go after a 10-3 and season, by yeah, the way. 10-3. and 10-3. and three. Barney went on to Iowa State to be the offensive coordinator, um, an offensive line coach. And he heard from NFL scouts. He heard from NFL scouts, and he said a handful of those guys told him that's the best they ever saw a college offensive lineman play. Richie was a was – what Barney told me yesterday was that he would pancake a guy and then get up and pancake another one on the same play. <laughs> It was he was he was moving people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, left tackle. You know, he's, and I'm glad Barney mentioned that. I for, I kind of forgot. I never think of Richie as a tackle, but he played left he tackle. Saw, yeah. He played left tackle that season because Barney really liked Josh Sewell, who was the center. Richie could have been a fabulous center, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah, and at Nebraska, but Barney's thought was now. Sewell's really good. We can have both those guys on the field, but it's, it's probably going to mean Sewell can't play anywhere but center. Um, 
he certainly can't play tackle. They needed a tackle, and Richie played tackle, and Richie was dominant, dominant. Yeah, and Jake, I think you didn't question this, but some people would say, why are you guys talking about Richie? Well, he retired last month after 15 years, and he's one of the best Nebraska offensive linemen to ever play. Now, he's one of the top few. Now, he, he gets overlooked in that discussion, though, right? Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, a little lost, bit. Lost he gets time. overlooked because he only played three years. He's only in the program for three years, and then remember, it was late August of two thousand and four when he was suspended. Well, it turned out he was kicked off the team for multiple violations of team rules, and it was a very tumultuous time. It, I covered it. I was there. I mean, I've told you that story of of when I when I got wind that he was meeting with Callahan and it was the end was probably upon us I drove over they were the the coach's office was, were in South Stadium back then not North and I pulled into the parking lot and he and his dad were driving out of the parking lot and almost hit me they they were driving so fast there and it had been a problem Richie picked up Bill's desk and turned it over um it was a problem. Now that was documented. I mean, it's 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 a it's a story that's true. It was a it was over a, the desk. Yeah, it was a tumult, very tumultuous time, and that was it. Um, he was gone, and I don't. You know, he, the, the the talk is that he was going to go to Oregon. I don't think he ever played for Oregon. He didn't play for Oregon, oh, and that did. was it. He was drafted in the third round and had a great career. Yes, he did. And I just thought it was fascinating to hear Barney say never see, saw Nebraska lineman play any better than Richie did in that bowl game. It's quite a compliment for yeah. has had incredible offensive line play. Yeah, yeah. So thank, thank you to thank, Barney. Thanks to Barney Cotton for joining us. If you missed any of that, it's on the podcast page at theticketfm.com and anywhere you find your podcast. Up next, my Dolphins are getting bashed a lot. Stephen Ross can't be at a game until October 17th, and they lost two draft picks. We'll discuss the aftermath of yesterday. And you're going to apologize for all that, aren't you? Oh, we'll discuss it all. Okay. Next on Early Break in the Ticket. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, O'Reilly.